0: Hello! And
1: welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where
0: we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about mom's love for diffusing essential oils when visiting, the deal with graduation invitations and announcements and gifts, a chivalrous act of ordering for your partner re-examined, and learning the drama at a new job and how to avoid it.
0: Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment from Margaret Visser's The Rituals of Dinner on leaving a gathering.
1: For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, you can listen to your ads-free version of the show by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. Your extra question of the week is about ride-share etiquette.
0: All that coming up. Awesome etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post Senning. Yay! Vacation's almost here. Because, wait a second, you got like a haircut. <laughs> looking pretty
1: sharp? What do you, you think? You are
0: looking pretty sharp. I'm digging it. I'm digging it.
1: <laughs> Vacation haircut.
0: Okay, so this is a trend I'm noticing. When you first got into the business etiquette seminars, I noticed on your calendar, like a couple days before a seminar, there were was always a haircut appointment some grooming that yeah went on. some grooming yeah. that went on but you've started switching this over to be a vacation trend instead
1: maybe it's vanity maybe it's vacation <laughs> pictures but i think even more it's just wanting to feel fresh freedom and clean and ready for the bees ready to spring out of bed and do whatever and just yeah. feel good about it
0: the extra millimeter of hair is just a little much for vacation huh? i was feeling kind of shaggy <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's a- well, you look
0: sharp. You look sharp.
1: Thank you. No, I'm 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 happy. This was a an experiment a new place and I will be going back.
0: So, tell me something. What uh what's on the docket for vacation this trip? Who are you going with? Where are you all going? Who's coming?
1: <laughs> it is a Long weekend that we really extended. Oh, this so is it's like a, almost
0: a week, a but not a <laughs> five day long weekend
1: instead of a three or a four day long weekend.
0: So, I gotcha. I gotcha. We're
1: going to one of your favorite places, Edgartown, oh, on Martha's Vineyard.
0: Oh, I'm so jealous. Uh, <laughs> a
1: good chunk of Pooja's family, her parents, her sister, will all be coming to meet us there. That's
0: great. And this is the second time that y'all are gathering on the vineyard, which you and I grew up going to all the time, but you're doing this with your your Gupta extended family.
1: Fingers crossed! We're developing a little tradition here that I, like I think everyone's starting to enjoy and look forward to.
0: So, what are you looking forward to on this trip? I mean, now you've got last trip, I got the cute little beach bum baby photos, and so what? Are, what's what are what's the fam looking forward to and planning on for this adventure?
1: So, I should be saying, oh, we'll ride bikes to the beach and get ice cream downtown. So idyllic. <laughs> we're gonna potty train Anisha. <laughs> I know. This is a ridiculous a second, vacation wait a
0: plan. Wait Okay. the deal.
1: I will spare you all the details, <laughs> but there is a plan.
0: There is a plan to, to actively use the vacation as potty training initiation. As
1: a departure, a sort of a...
0: Departure from the diaper.
1: A departure from the normal, from the diaper, and an opportunity when there's a lot of family around, a lot of people to participate, supervise.
0: This is a vacation from
1: diapers. It's so ridiculous. I,
0: know. <laughs> I love it. She's growing up so fast, though. I can't believe it.
1: It's pretty unbelievable.
0: (laughs) It's almost hard to even
1: think about because with a vacation coming, we have a shortened week and there is so much to do between now and Mm -hmm. then. So I'm I'm still managing that balance between sort of stressing or working to prepare for relaxation and how to navigate that transition, (laughs) how to get to that place where you can flip the switch and convert.
0: I, on the other hand, have vacation coming up right on the heels of your vacation, and I'm already in vacation mode.
1: (laughs) Well, it's easy with the way the weather is right now. It feels like summer. I know you had your first round of golf recently and have started to stack those up and I know what that does to
0: your mental state. (laughs) One day, cuz, we'll be in a place where we can just take summers off and we can have the show set up to go every week and all our business happens while we're away gallivanting freely with our our kids and spouses and everything. I'm painting some kind of picture here, huh? I like the intention that you're (laughs) setting
1: here. I I can appreciate this very European summer, (laughs) month and a half off
0: Oh, Strategy. I like where you're going. I was thinking three months, but that's okay. <laughs> stages. We're gonna, stages. We'll, we'll get, get there. there in stages. Oh, well, we probably shouldn't skip the stage of working on this show today, huh? Probably not. All right. Let's get to it. But we have one message. Oh, my gosh. You're right. We have a message for our sustaining members of the show. When you submit your awesome etiquette questions, please put sustaining member in either the subject line or the body of the email so that we know that we can answer your question on the sustaining member website we would love this we think it'll be a great way to help us organize the questions that we're getting and make sure that you get your answers faster
1: thank you cuz I know we wanted to get that message to everybody yes now back to the show as always, Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show.
0: Our first question I have titled, Refusin' the Diffusin'. I, this title. <laughs> I know. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, storywort dot slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Great sign off of Scentless or Senseless, which I thought was pretty clever too. It begins Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I am a longtime fan and listener of your podcast. Thank you so much for all of the hard work you both do in putting it together. Also, a huge thank you to all of those behind the scenes working so diligently, as well as my fellow listeners for submitting great questions and feedback that keep this forum alive and well. I truly feel it has encouraged me to think more critically about how I interact with others, aiming to keep consideration, respect, and honesty at my core when choosing my actions and words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So here's my question. I am so fortunate to have a great relationship with my mother, and my husband loves her too. We're lucky. But when she visits, she has one habit that we are stuck on how to address. She really loves to diffuse essential oils. And while I enjoy them on occasion myself, we prefer to keep the scents to a minimum in our home. It's not that we have allergies or real aversions to them. It's just a preference, but a strong one. One of the first things she does when she arrives is plug in the diffuser, always in a prime gathering location like the kitchen. And because she doesn't mention wanting to do it or asking to do so, I feel like I can't ask her to put it away or turn it off. She's very passionate about the oils, and that's part of the conundrum. I don't want to feel like I'm dismissing a part of her that she really is identifying with. Those who use or know of someone who loves essential oils may understand how they can become part of their identity. We've discussed letting it go, being subtle, but nothing feels right or honest. We've even tried once burning a candle to dissuade her, and in hindsight, I see that this was the wrong approach. She blew it out. (laughs) We didn't know what to say, so we said nothing and instead just felt upset without her being aware. Can I approach her about this subject, or is it too late? What can I say without making her feel judged about her passion? Thanks. Scentless or senseless? Sentless or senseless. Thank you for your question. And I love the way you began
1: by thanking the other audience members who send in questions and comments. It's so true. Without all of that support and participation, this forum couldn't happen, and we really appreciate it also. As far as your question goes you are in really, really good position here to say something to your mother. This is not a place where you need to be really concerned about the Request. I think that it makes a lot of sense to think about how you make it, but I want to just say as strongly as I can, and my cousin is smiling at me because she knows I have a hard time being emphatic with enforcing rules. No. But these are scents in your home, and you really get to take a stand on this one.
0: No, it's true. I was actually laughing at the fact that I'm thinking about people who get really into essential oils, and you know, so much of it is, of course, based on those wonderful terpenes. And you do get used to the moods that they can help create for you. So when you have something that's got like a lot of limonene in it, for instance, so citrus scents, things like that, it's really a very energizing effect. You feel that if you're infusing things or or using lavender, that's linalool and that has a very calming effect for you. And so these things, they can become a, a real, gosh, I don't want to use the word crutch, aid or a part of your life that you really appreciate and actually do have a physical effect. On you. So I can understand and appreciate our question askers, our listeners' uh, position on that her mom really is into this and she understands that it's really a part of her life. So my brain is actually going to the place of, can mom put those oils on her wrist or you know, a little around the neck or maybe there's some, I'm, gosh, now I'm getting really hippy dippy, like some kind of a necklace or something that has like a, a way of holding that essential oil close to her so that she can smell it. She can getting, be getting those terpenes and that experience, but it doesn't have to waft and take up the entire room. I just can understand that person who's so into this that without it, it doesn't feel Quite like a normal experience to them. Or even Sorry. <laughs> them wanting to
1: share that experience with other people, wanting to include family or mm-hmm. people they feel really close to in this experience. For the same reason that it can feel so personal to the person who enjoys it, it can feel so invasive to someone who doesn't enjoy oh, it. Oh my
0: goodness, yes.
1: I'm thinking about a kitchen.
0: Oh gosh, yeah.
1: Where you're cooking, and I'm thinking about just a home that feels like your home. And The way someone occupies space as a guest and showing up and occupying not just physical space, but the the volume of the room with scent. Absolutely. it is such a a liberty to take. And in some ways it illustrates how close this relationship is. Yeah, mother-daughter,
0: they clearly spend time together. This is good.
1: (laughs) What I liked about hearing you talk about these things is a sensitivity and awareness to why someone might feel the way they do or behave the way they do. And that to me, sounds like a really good place to have this discussion carefully. Mm-hmm. You can use the that awareness to not bring that feeling of judgment that I can hear senseless, not senseless, <laughs> <laughs> wanting to introduce into this discussion. And having some of those other options, I think, is, is potential middle ground territory. Although we, we even hear from people who... Don't like that, who don't like people that show up smelling too strongly of perfume That's or cologne. Me.
0: I have a real, in fact, I was golfing with someone two weeks ago and her perfume was so strong and I really reacted strongly to it. I actually told her, I was like, I'm going to walk upwind from you. This is unfortunately something I'm reacting strongly to right now. We were in the great outdoors. We were not, if you call the golf course the great outdoors, but you know, we were not in a confined space. There was ample ventilation. And I was still getting a headache from it. And that, to me, is a time to just speak up. You're not experiencing, scentless, any headaches or physical aversions. But I just think that you're in your own home and this is your mother with whom I'm guessing you have a pretty good relationship. I think that a very light and I don't want to say too casual because I think you want to give it a little bit of the emphasis that you're going to need. But something along the lines of, Mom, I would love to find a different way for you to experience your essential oils while you're in the home because the diffuser just isn't working for us and it's your home so you do get to set clear boundaries there's no reason that you have to go about really coddling this situation beyond belief but recognizing that mom's going to need some way to interact with her essential oils that maybe just doesn't fill up the entire room i think that's the good place to start
1: do it ahead of time.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: Tell your mother how much you're looking forward to her visit, how mm-hmm. much you're looking forward to seeing her. Don't let the message about the sense absorb and take all the focus away from the visit, your anticipation, you're looking forward to seeing her by telling her ahead of time. You allow for her to plan, her to process, her to think about your request. Lizzie Post idea about setting clear boundaries is part of your role and your job as a good host. Mm-hmm. And if this is something that's starting to impact the way you and your husband are –
0: Enjoying those visits. Feeling about your
1: mother and feeling about her visits. And,
0: and in your own home. you want, Hosts should feel comfortable in their own homes.
1: And, and your guest will feel more comfortable if you're more comfortable. Ultimately, long term, that's what's best for everybody. So definitely speak up, say something. I like that idea of being clear but not too heavy. Yeah. And doing it ahead of time, I think, is the other real good way to let everyone adjust.
0: And one of the things I want to take note about the language I use is that it's not that you're saying we don't like essential oils, because like you said, you do, but you are saying that the way she's going about doing this isn't working for you. And when you you talk about something in that way of this isn't working for me, let's find a different solution. It's a very different platform to be coming from than I don't like it, you need to change. And the difference between those two things is often one of someone feeling defensive and unwelcome versus someone feeling like, oh, well, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. What can we do to make a difference? And you'll get, I think you'll get further a lot faster if you go with that kind of working language as opposed to that like and preference language. Scentless or senseless, we hope this makes a little bit of sense out of The Scent. Suppose we go back to the day the trouble really started. Judy has brought with her a bottle of perfume. It was her first real perfume, and she was eager to show it to her friends. And the girls were impressed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously,
1: and, 6-1 since that matters, and, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download
0: the new Bumble now.
1: Our next question is seasonally appropriate, and it's about dealing with graduation invitations. Hi, I have a question about graduation invitations or announcements. Is it appropriate to send them to friends who also have a graduating senior? One of my close friends and I agree to exchange invitations, but not gifts, since we both have seniors. We wanted to see each other's invitations. What is the etiquette on this? A.B. in Auburn.
0: Tis the season, right, cuz? <laughs> when it comes to graduation invitations or announcements, invitations are sent to only those who will be attending either the graduation party or the graduation ceremony and then the party, and you do want to make it very clear who's being issued which type of invitation, because I know that graduation tickets are very limited um, in some cases. Other places it's open and you can bring as many people as you want, pack them in, but that can be an issue. So if you do receive a graduation invitation, you might want to double check whether or not just really pay attention to the invitation um, and double check whether or not you're actually invited to the ceremony or not. It's not like a wedding. It's not like you if you go to the ceremony, you automatically go to the party. I mean, that is usually the case, but it's this is one case where it's okay to invite people to the party and not the ceremony, which is a little unusual. That being said, this invitation carries no obligation of gifts. Most people will bring a card, offer w- good wishes. Sometimes if they're very close with the graduate, they'll give a gift. But for instance, we threw a graduation party for, for me from college. And I think like half the people that came brought gifts because they were like close family or very close friends. And the other half didn't. And that was completely normal. And I didn't feel slighted. No one who brought or didn't bring gifts felt slighted or awkward about it. It's, this is just kind of how these parties go. So Don't feel that you have any obligation or that you are obliging anyone to get you a gift if you receive or send an invitation to a grad party. It really is all about who can attend. Absolutely. The announcements, those can go out to as many people as you want, and they carry no obligation of an invitation or a gift or even a response. So please feel free to send those to whomever you'd like. I would venture to guess that in the age of good old social media, most people probably do this via social media. We formalities in life at milestones. So when you hit those milestones, if it's your style, if it's your taste, if it's a practice you want to get in the habit of, then go for it. Use this as that opportunity to send out a formal announcement.
1: I so appreciate hearing that because I oftentimes feel a little awkward about sharing good news or sharing just in general. Hard to believe saying it into a microphone on a podcast that goes out into the world, (laughs) but it's true. And, And having these little moments, these courtesies, these traditions that help connect us to each other and draw us out at those transitional moments in life really are both appropriate and in some ways really nice.
0: A.B., you've already done all the good etiquette here um, in question to this particular friendship and and what you should do. And I hope that our answer has given you a broader perspective on invitations and announcements and gifts for these types of parties. But always feel free to invite someone. They can always decline.
1: Particularly if you've talked about it ahead of time. And you never know. It might work out even if the party is the same day, that one starts a little early, one ends a little late. Who knows, you might even be able to catch each other's parties somehow. A.B., I also want to thank you for the question. It is so appropriate this time of year. We appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about graduation etiquette.
0: Our next question came in via text, which is quickly becoming my favorite way for us to receive questions because you actually... This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Get this immediate response back to them. And because we're also trained in texting, often our listeners will will write back within a day's time. So I can ask a follow-up question or I can say, thank you. This is such a thoughtful question. It's, it's quickly becoming my favorite way to communicate with our audience. So please use our phone number and text us because it's awesome. <laughs> Noted. Noted. All right. This question is titled, A Totally Normal Gender Tradition Chivalry Issue that I can't believe we've never thought of before. Hello, Awesome Etiquette team. Thank you so much for this lovely and practical podcast. It is such a joy to listen to, and I am learning so much. My question is about having your partner order for you at a restaurant. I personally love when my partner does this for me, but I was wondering if it was disrespectful to the server. I know this practice is not very common, and most of my girlfriends would be offended by such a practice, but I really enjoy it. When the server turns to me, though, to take my order, and then my partner speaks up instead, the server usually just turns their attention to my partner to take down both of our orders. On one occasion, the waitress who was trying to take my order first did seem to be affected by my partner ordering for me, and perhaps slightly taken aback. Is having your partner order for you an acceptable practice as long as the people in the relationship enjoy the practice? Or is it an outdated practice that comes across as rude to the server? Sincerely, old-fashioned or outdated? I love this question. I do too. Right?
1: So my first reason that I love this question. Okay, please. Is that it's all about courtesy and respect being shown to a server.
0: Okay, so I had a thought when I first read this. First of all, I love that you're focused on the server, and I love that that you love that our question asker is focused on the server. But I was looking at this question and thinking, oh my gosh, this is like a gendered chivalry conundrum because I picture a lot of servers are instructed in some traditional gender roles to go and, and reach out to the women at the table first. And that's like a courtesy, ladies first. We're all very familiar with that term. But in this instance, you've also got a competing chivalry, which is this idea of a partner ordering for both parties of the couple. And I never thought before about how confusing that would be for a server in a moment of, oh, well, okay, then I'll turn and face you instead. Like it, the server would have no way of knowing when approaching the table that this would be the needed, you know, the necessary action. In fact, like this one server who maybe was a bit taken aback, they would really try to not actually do that. And it's a, a lot of respect goes towards women in an effort to make sure that men aren't speaking up for them when you're seeing uh, hetero couples out together. And so it's interesting to see this come back the other way and and the different places that this can play out. What do you think we should do, though, in the moment? I'm imagining the scene. Yeah. And
1: I'm, I'm thinking one of the things that might be... Are particularly disconcerting mm-hmm. or mild I want to I want to avoid the language alarming but <laughs> yeah. might even feel alarming is that that if I was a server and I approached someone I talked to them and someone else interjected or interrupted that act might seem strange to me even as yes. much as whatever followed so if the person that I was talking to or addressed said something oh so and so will be ordering for us that maybe it's up to our question asker in this particular question to redirect the attention of the server to the person who's going to be doing the ordering. But- I
0: think that makes sense.
1: And that that might be one way to start to build the I I feel acknowledged and I'm acknowledging you mm-hmm. and I'm going to direct both of our attention here and this person our host for the evening is going to be ordering.
0: It's funny because you can create an awkward like this is absolutely the right thing to do. We want to get the we want to get the server talking to the person who's going to do the ordering that makes this this couple feel really happy, and so it's interesting though because that moment of oh no you're going to need to speak to him instead for me is an awkward moment. And I think personally that the way I would want to handle it, if this was going to be my preference, I would feel comfortable saying something when the the server approaches me and looks directly at me. I'd say something like, oh, I just love it when he orders for me. Or if I'm in a same-sex couple, I would be, I just love it when my partner orders for me. And then It's not a, you need to talk to that person over there. It's not a, I'm not going to speak to you. It's a, I'm going to let you know what's going on so that you can then smile. And if you need to have opinions in your head, you can have them in your head and turn to my partner and then talk to my partner about it.
1: I like that because you're redirecting and you're also giving a flavor to the redirection or you're giving an emotional cue that this is okay with you. And I think those are, you're accomplishing two tasks. You're essentially saying this is the person and we're all okay with it.
0: I love it. I love it. One of the other things that your partner could do would be to, or whomever is going to be doing the ordering, let's say it that way, because we might not even be in a partnered situation. You brought up when we were talking about this, the idea of like a host at a club. This isn't always a gendered courtesy. It's not always a coupled courtesy. Oftentimes this is about a host
1: helping or taking care of guests. And I've definitely been parts of parties that have been hosted at a club Or have been in a situation where the host is ordering. I remember an overseas trip where I was part of a delegation and it was one of the things that the the hosts for this particular group love to do. They love to get a group of us together and take us around and show us different cuisines, show us different places they like to eat and... Part of that was ordering meals for everyone. And,
0: and sometimes, a server wouldn't know who that host was unless they had really set it up ahead of time. Yeah. But
1: by playing the role of host, really taking that, that lead, oftentimes a host can provide an experience for guests. That's something they really want to do. Sometimes a menu is written in a language that not everybody understands. That's and true, too. And sometimes that's the job of the person who speaks that language to do the ordering or to interact with the server.
0: So, whether you are the the partner in the couple who's going to do the ordering or whether you're the host of the group, one of the things that you can do to ensure that you start the interaction with that server is when you see the server approaching the table, really try and get their eye contact. Because I know as a server, I would always look for eye contact. And if someone's trying to make eye contact with me, I'm thinking, oh, they want to say something to me. And so if you get that eye contact as the server's approaching the table, you're automatically drawn to each other and you can initiate the conversation of, oh, I'd like to order for the table or we're ready to place our order now. And you can say, you know, my lovely partner will have the such and such and I would like the this. I love the idea of the the it, when it does come to the more general gendered version of this and kind of that traditional old school version of it. I do love the idea of our female diner being able to say, this is my preference. That way it's really clear. But in absence of that, or if you don't want to make that statement every single time, I think that initial eye contact is one possible way to get the ball rolling towards the person who you want to have doing all the ordering, do all the ordering.
1: Old-fashioned, but not outdated. We hope this helps and that you enjoy many delicious meals in the future.
0: Just little things, a few thoughtful courtesies, ensure the success of this very special evening.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Thank you so much for creating this wonderful podcast. I love listening to it on my way to work for a boost of positivity in the morning. I have listened to most of the episodes for the past year, but might have missed some, so apologies if this problem has been covered. Speaking of work, here's my question with some background information. A few months ago, I got a new job, which I love. To be totally honest, it's my dream job. I'm coming into this office from a place where I worked for 10 years and which contained about 100 people in one building. My new workplace, while part of a much larger institution, contains about 16 people in my building, with only five in my actual department. I knew going in that no office is immune from problems, but now that I've been here for a little while, I'm seeing that there is a strong divide in my department between people who like my supervisor and people who can't stand her. I enjoy all of my co-workers, but feel uncomfortable when conversation turns to complaining about this person. So far, I have just been sitting quietly when this happens, because I don't want to create friction in such a small group of people. And as the newest employee, I don't want to label myself as a supervisor's pet, though I do respect her very much. Do you have any ideas for what to do or say in these situations? Perhaps a sample script? I'm concerned that this negativity could eventually impact the whole workplace. Thank you. Working hard, no time for drama.
0: Oh, no drama. Congrats on the dream job. That is just such a – man, you spend, what, at the very least, like 40 hours a week, you know, at your job to love it is just – I think that's a blessing in life.
1: It's nice to hear. Congratulations. And congratulations on approaching what can be a very difficult workplace etiquette question with intentionality and with care. and. I see in the framing of this question a lot of good etiquette at play, your awareness of yourself as a new person in this situation, your awareness of the dynamics that have existed that are already in place and the way your interaction with those dynamics can really create certain impressions about you. This idea of not wanting to be perceived of as a supervisor's pet I think Mm -hmm. is something that is, is worth being aware of. At the same time, negative workplace gossip is really bad form. It's bad form for people that engage in it. It's something that I would caution you to be really careful about engaging in. And I I see you not wanting to engage in it.
0: It's even a fireable offense. I mean, it really – it's one of the things we learned about in that Ladders.com survey that we reference in our business etiquette seminars. You talk about this – potentially
1: having a negative impact. I see it already having a negative already. impact. You're a new person in this building and it's affecting your impression of these other people and I don't want it to interfere with your dream job. So what do you do? How do you handle it? I think in a lot of ways you handle it the way you've been handling it. As a new person, I think you you wade in slowly that You don't jump in. You don't try to fix the problem right away. You observe. You get to know the personalities at play. You get to become more familiar with all the different things that are going on in this workplace before you try to apply a lot of direction to what's happening. Then I think you wait for your chance. And when you are asked to participate or when the opportunity presents itself, you start to bend the dialogue in the directions that you're hoping to take it.
0: Give me some sample scripts, cuz. What
1: do you think of our new supervisor?
0: <laughs> I found her tough, but pretty
1: fair most of the time.
0: You can. Giving those neutral responses when people do ask for your opinion. I love that. You can affirm
1: what it is that you hear that is valid yeah. without getting on board with everything, without. Getting super critical or harsh in terms of the way you use your language or talk about it.
0: It's so important to remember that listening is not the same as agreeing, and that listening doesn't have to be the same as sharing your opinion either. Listening can just be that listening. Uh, you can go to those positive, non committal responses or those neutral responses, just like Dan was just saying. Oh, that's interesting. I find this person pretty fair. Or that's kind of a little bit more in the opinionated department. But you can say, I'm sorry you're having trouble with that. Or, oh, tough days happen to everyone. Those are the kinds of things that you can say when someone is coming and complaining at you or needing that venting session. You can also put up barriers to say, you know, I'm really not the person to talk to about this.
1: Absolutely. You can can certainly take care of yourself and place boundaries and be clear with people about what it is you are comfortable with. You can also use your status as a newcomer to start to affect some positive change. I know I'm new here, but I kind of like the way X, Y, or Z happens. I, I'm thinking about that sort of.
0: I like positive comparison the The, this the is micro good.
1: positive <laughs> yeah. injections of positivity.
0: <laughs> um, Absolutely.
1: As you get to know people better and better, as you establish your standing in the workplace more and more, I think that you can start to take this discussion further, particularly if the way that you choose to engage, if the signals that you send aren't something that other people are picking up on. Things that are very clear. I prefer to keep it positive. I'd rather not talk about so-and-so that way. Or even, you know, I really see it differently. For me, it's been like this. Or this, you know, this is really my dream job. And my experience here has been... X, Y, or Z.
0: I love that focus because on putting positivity into things and allowing yourself to have a positive experience, not as a way to put others down for having a negative experience, but to try to get them to see maybe the good that could be around. It is really easy in work environments, especially work environments where something's nagging at you or something is is not settling well for you where you 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 feel a little upset or aggrieved. It's very easy to let that little seed of aggrievement grow into a giant oak and it's really not what you want to do. it can it can make your life worse. And I think that sometimes just having someone else come in and shift and say, "Oh no, I'm not going there. I was aware of one person during a work experience where you know the people who had been at the office had been there for a very long time, and there were a lot of opinions and history and things that would come up, and this new person would hear about it, and he put a um, he put a sign on his door that was the flag of uh, it's the flag of Switzerland, and he called himself neutral, <laughs> and it was just his way of saying I'm not going here with you people, like I'm not going to do this. I'm coming in, and I'm new here. And I've got to learn my experience, and it's got to be my experience. And I think that that's also something worth stealing yourself with. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, go outwardly telling people, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have to take on your junk from the past 10 years that you've worked here. I'll learn my own junk. Thanks. It helps you on the mental, on your inside to be able to say, I'm neutral.
1: <laughs> and and you're tiptoeing up to that line that's the real caution, which is that – you. It's very difficult to try to correct someone else's behavior. It's very difficult to try to tell someone else what they should be doing better. Mm-hmm. I do want to tiptoe up to that boundary just a little bit. There there might be a place where you start to develop a work relationship where you could ask to talk to somebody. You yeah. could say something like, there's something I've noticed that I was hoping to talk to you about. Yeah. That I, I'm really thinking about a tiered, staged response beginning with – Observe, be present, see what's going on, start to interact with little micro doses of positivity, grow those doses of positivity, engaging more and more. And ultimately, it might get to a place where you talk to your coworkers. This is a small office. You're going to be an integral part of that team. And as that standing develops, I think that it's really appropriate for you to talk to the people you work with about the ways that you all work together. And I think that moment's going to arrive also particularly if this behavior persists.
0: Working hard, no time for drama. We hope that this helps you navigate the landscape of this amazing dream job of yours. Talking's lots of fun, except sometimes when you talk about people, that's when the trouble starts. How can you tell the difference between fact and gossip? What do you think? Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text message. At 802-858-K-I-N-D. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so we know you want your question or feedback on the show. And remember, sustaining members put sustaining member in the subject line or body of the email.
1: Each week we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Our first piece of feedback comes via text. Regarding episode 190, hi, fans since the dinner party download days.
0: Yay, we miss them.
1: When I host an event that I want to provide all food and drink so that our guests don't have extra on their to-do list, I'll say, you don't need to bring anything, but here's what I'm providing in case you want to bring something. Then I'll list the meals from apps to desserts with cocktails, including how many bottles of wine I have. If somebody thinks they want an extra protein or vegetable or wine bottle, they're welcome to contribute, and I'm glad to put it out with the meal. That also usually prevents an overabundance of food. Thank you for your awesome podcast.
0: This was in response to a question where we were talking about a host who really loves to, to take care of everything, but her guests keep trying to offer to bring things all the time. And I just thought this was really nice. You know, let everyone know from the get-go what you've got so they can see you've really got it covered.
1: I I like the focus on the overabundance, and also if I was a guest with dietary restrictions or strong preferences, this would let me know, oh, I should probably bring a little something to contribute or take care of myself.
0: Exactly. And I love that this host really welcomes guests bringing something that meets their needs. That to me is like a really strong point. I was once on an interview and the the host was of like a cooking show or something like that and they really were of the mindset that if I cook it and prepare it for you, you should eat it exactly as I've presented it to you because I have reasons for doing that. And I think that that is to me a very controlling way to host. And I think that the the real Emily Post version that that I that I championed for is that you want to make people feel comfortable. If if I'm a vegetarian and you really have to have meat at your table and you want to bring a roasted chicken over, I am happy to slice and serve that for you and and make sure that you have something you need that met your needs. Being someone who is not ethically against meat, I'm totally fine probably actually saying, you know what, let me just go pick up a roasted chicken. I'll have that too, you know. So I just, I love this idea of really encouraging people to be comfortable and have a good time and, and meet their needs any way possible. I love it. Our next piece of feedback is actually a clarification from a listener whose question was read in episode 191. I really loved that Anonymous wrote back in to say, wait a second, there was an assumption made here. And thank goodness it was not detrimental. But we did want to clarify. Hello again, Awesome Etiquette. I was happy to hear that my question about being served raw meat featured in episode 191 made it to your podcast. I am grateful that you both took the time to get to this question. However, I do think I should clarify something about the dinner we had with my coworker. In the podcast, Lizzie had been under the impression that I had already asked my coworker if this was how the dish should have been served. The story, as it seemed to be understood, was that my coworker had just said, Yeah, it's fine, and we ate his dinner. In reality, I first discovered that the meat was still raw when we first cut into it and served it on our plates. I think it was during this time that both my wife and me individually decided we were just going to eat his meat if my coworker wasn't going to say anything. Although we did have a moment when we sat down where I told my coworker that it looks good while giving my wife a smile and a look that said, "'I guess we're eating raw beef tonight.'" So, to be fair to my coworker, neither one of us actually brought up any concern about his dish to him personally. I did not mean to give this impression. And had I armed Lizzie with that knowledge when I first asked the question, maybe she wouldn't have been so stumped. (laughs) My wife and I have decided in the future that we are just going to offer to cook any time that we have this person over in order to avoid the situation altogether. That dinner ended well, all things considered. And the worst thing that happened was that we basically ate beef sushi that night. And I love beef sushi instead of beef tartare, beef sushi. Again, thank you for your time and advice. Anonymous, thank you so much for clarifying this. It does put a really different spin on it. I think that you did the best you could in the moment and again, as long as you weren't feeling like you were going to get sick from eating what you ate. I think you were very polite and considerate. And I believe this took place in Anonymous's own home. That's the way I remember. Yeah, it was a guest coming over to cook for you. So all things said, I think you all did the right thing.
1: And thank you for doing the right thing and following up. I
0: love the honesty.
1: And the attention to detail. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please do keep them coming. You can send your next comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
0: It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript segment is about...
1: Leaving. Continuing with our theme about partings and parting well and thinking about how to conclude, wrap up, finish, say goodbye. And to do this with integrity, to do it well, to do it in a way that really honors relationships and whatever experience has been shared by the people involved. So today's postscript is a contribution to this discussion that comes from Margaret Visser's The Rituals of Dinner which, as regular listeners to this show know, is one of our absolute favorite resources. I
0: call this a bedtime book because it's an easy book to like put by your bedside. You read a little bit of it. It's something a little bit interesting. I, I dig it. I dig it. So this excerpt uh, is actually found on pages 291 to 292. Deciding when to leave is often left up to the guests. But this does not mean that no rules apply. Guests must, on no account, leave too early or stay too long. Formal dinner parties in Western Europe and America used to last two and a half hours from arrival on time to departure. And a guest staying longer would not recommend him or herself for another invitation. By the way, can we stop and pause at that phrasing? Would not recommend him or herself for another invitation. Nice way of saying you just won't get asked back if you stay too long. (laughs) Leaving too early, on the other hand, can cause a whole party to break up. It is therefore very rude. Never, quote, never take out your watch to see the hour, as this would seem to remind others of the time, wrote John Trusler in 1804. One should rather steal off as unnoticed as possible, for if you choose, C-H-U-S-E, to go, it is not necessary that you drag others with you. Again, I love that vision of don't be the person that gives everyone else permission to leave if you're not the host.
1: Cell phone users, take note. It's not attached with a gold chain to your pocket, but just leave it in your pocket.
0: By this date, there was no longer the obligation to run the gamut of servants waiting for tips, then called veils. There was no need for an early leaver to feel suspected of skipping off without opening his wallet. Trussler actually says tipping is now impolite because it looks as though you think your host is not giving good enough wages. There are a few ways in which modern hosts can discreetly urge tardy guests to leave. In Germany, a guest must start being conscious of the time if the host ceases offering to fill the glasses. Though, if the hostess, as opposed to the host, pleads with one to stay, one should do so, but not for longer than 30 minutes. If a French host solicitously inquires whether you would like something, fruit juice perhaps, the cue has been given, either accept fruit juice or not, but leave in a short while. Unfortunately, modern rules of this kind are usually unspoken and quite variable, so that one can never be absolutely sure and must therefore opt for hypersensitivity. A Romanian host is clearer. He quietly recorks the wine bottle. In America, in modern times, we talk about turning up the lights, turning down the music. We, too, say you put away the bar. You stop serving food. And these are the subtle indications that it's time to go. And then we, of course, move on to the very blatant indications of, well... I have to go to bed. You all can stay up if you'd like, but please keep it down in the living room.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. It's been such a pleasure to see everyone again. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Um, But I love this idea that throughout time, this idea of when is it appropriate to go? When has a a guest overstayed their welcome? Or when is a host demanding too much of their guests? It's a a social play that we have balanced for centuries and centuries.
1: And... It sounds like it's been hundreds of years and some of the basic courtesies have remained the same. Don't make too big a show of your departure. Don't make that the focus of the entire evening, that it's important to to exit well. And part of doing that is to do it discreetly at the right moment and without drawing too, too much attention to yourself and to the leaving, even while honoring that moment in the evening.
0: And no matter what, you always want to show gratitude to your hosts.
1: And speaking of gratitude... We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Lori. I would like to extend an etiquette salute to Natalie in Phoenix. Although we have never met, I recently received a hand-addressed envelope from her. Inside was a business card addressed to me at my correct address, but delivered to Natalie's address, which is in no way similar to mine except for the city. Natalie enclosed the following note. Hi there. For some reason, this piece of mail keeps getting delivered to my home. It looks like it is a special handwritten card, so I'm mailing it in another envelope to you. Have a great day. Natalie had written, Delivered to wrong address on the envelope, but apparently it returned to her. I appreciate that she took the time to write a note, address the envelope, and use her own stamp to deliver a graduation announcement from a family friend who has been one of our favorite babysitters for several years. Lori in Phoenix
0: in Phoenix that is so nice It's, you know snail mail takes time and to have someone actually take the time to not only first try to return to send or not return to sender but return for the wrong address but then to realize it's not going to get returned because of the wrong address and instead actually get it to the right address is really wonderful
1: thank you Lori for
0: sharing and thank you to
1: Natalie in Phoenix for going an extra mile I was going
0: to say being an awesome etiquette person out there in the world yeah (laughs)
1: Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com.
0: By phone, you can leave us a message or send us a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463.
1: On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post.
0: And I'm Lizzie with an IEA post.
1: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute.
0: And please join our sustaining member community by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review.
1: Our show is edited by the incredible Chris Albertini.
0: Thank you, Chris.
1: Thank you, Chris.